for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. Today on the show, we have Steve Serling. He's got an awesome story. So excited to be able to share this with you. Uh, Steve, for those that don't know you, can you tell us who you are? I'll be happy to. And thank you for having me on your show, Chris. Uh, my name is Steve Sterling. I am the president and CEO of MAP International. And we are, MAP is a Christian nonprofit, and we provide medicines and health supplies to 20 million people around the world. And there's uh, the WHO World Health Organization uh, estimates there are 2 billion people in the world that, that do not have access to life-saving medicines. And the COVID-19 has made this even worse. And so mm -hmm. MAP gets to be a, a part of this. We work with partners and MAP works with all uh, partners. Um, many are Christian, but we help all people regardless of ethnicity, gender, or religious belief. And so it's such a privilege to be able to work with MAP and great people and partners that we have uh, to work with MAP here. Wonderful. So how long has MAP been in existence? Um, can you tell us a little bit about like the, how many employees work for you? I know you mentioned 22 million, but yeah, can you just kind of talk about like inside the doors of what that looks like? And then again, just expand upon the, the impact that you guys are Sure, having. I'll be happy to. Uh, MAP's been around for 66 years now, and we moved from Wheaton, Illinois, to Brunswick, Georgia in 1985, because this way we're in a warmer place, but also we're close to two deep water ports, uh, Savannah, Georgia, Jacksonville, but also Charleston. Well, Steve, it's it's blizzarding out. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'm in the south suburbs of Chicago, so I... I, okay. I appreciate you going to warmer climates and I also, you know, that yes. digging it in the side a little bit. There. Right. No, I spent two years at Northwestern at Kellogg School there. So I, I'm very familiar with the cold winters in Chicago area. So MAP moved in 85 and MAP has uh, roughly about 43 people uh, in the U.S., uh, mostly in Brunswick, Georgia. And then we have some small uh, office in Atlanta and some remote uh, staff around the country, mostly on the eastern side of uh, Mississippi. And so we uh, get uh, medicines and supplies donated by pharmaceutical companies because they're getting too close to expiring. They're not expired yet, mm -hmm. uh, so but they're getting close and they can't sell it. So they donate it to MAP. And then we raise money and work with partners on the ground with people with boots on the ground. And then we provide the medicines so that they can then provide it to the clinics and hospitals and other uh, uh, places where people need the medicines. And we work in roughly 100 countries. Uh, about 45 countries, we ship the large containers, either be a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container. And then also the rest of the countries that are uh, covered by people that go on medical mission trips or mission trips, and they take the, our medicines with them as their personal luggage. And so obviously with COVID, there haven't been too many trips abroad, but once the uh, international travel again, then people will be going to many countries to help provide their medicine. So we help uh, 20 million people. And because of COVID-19, uh, we've helped over 4 million people uh, with uh, mostly with uh, personal, medical, uh, personal equipment, 
uh, gloves, face masks, and then some medicines as well. Awesome. Well, I love that. It, it sounds a lot like a, another guest that I had on the podcast, Russ Fratelli, who runs River of Light. And they basically food rescue a million meals per year. So your your impact's way, way beyond that. But it basically the same thing of, you know, food rescuing the food before it expires and is thrown out and then being able to expand that all throughout the Chicagoland area. Now, this is obviously medicines and supplies that you're then being able to do the exact same thing yeah. and doing yeah, that globally. So, so definitely a, a big sale. So how did you get involved with, with MAP, Steve? Well, it's a interesting story. You know, we never... I never planned on going to nonprofit, by the way. So if I could kind of step back a little bit. And so actually, um, you know, I started my corporate career at a pharmaceutical company, uh, Johnson & Johnson. I worked at Tylenol. Uh, I took up my MBA uh, in finance and marketing. And then I worked uh, uh, for American Home Products to help launch Advil. And then went to American, and then I went to Bristol-Myers Squibb and did adult nutritionals and launched Boost Nutritional Drink, uh, which was sold off in Nestle. And then uh, ConAgra Foods and then Ameritrade. And then uh, something happened when I was working in Ameritrade, you know, and this was uh, 2001, so you know, 20 years ago, uh, the stock market tanks and they say, hey, we don't, need, we don't need three VP, senior VP, VP, and I was a regular VP. So they laid me off. And so, but that was a, really an opportunity because I had the time to travel to Korea uh, where the orphanage where I grew up in the founder or the wife of the founder passed away. Her name is Bertha Holt. So I had the time to travel there. My wife and I flew there. And at the funeral, I met one of my childhood friends. His name is Kyung Soo, and he has severe cerebral palsy. And so he was smiling at me. So I thought, oh, he must be my friend. So I said, Kyung Soo, do you remember me? He said, yes, Myung Soo. And he spoke, speaks very slowly because he has CP, cerebral palsy. And my wife was translating for me. And I said, well, what do you remember me about? He says, Myung Soo, that's my Korean name, used to beat me up all the time. I said, oh boy, because I'm pretty strong upper body, you know, I have polio and so I would use crutches. And I said, um, would you forgive me for, for what I did to you growing up? And uh, he said, Myung Soo, I forgave you a long time ago because Jesus forgave me of my sins. And when he said that, I was speechless. Here's a man trapped in his own body. He can't, he could barely feed himself, but he's joyful and he's happy and he's thankful. And I started thinking, you know, what am I doing with my life? And that was 20 years ago. God used that man <coughs> to say, Steve, I have something uh, better for you. So uh, I, I learned that the orphanage I grew up in for five years, because I was abandoned there, um, was started, helped started initially by Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision. So uh, did some research on the internet and literally picked up the phone and called the senior VP of marketing, uh, Tool Tandon, and he said, I never pick up the phone. And so, well, because God told you to pick up the phone. And so we talked and after many interviews, they ended up hiring me as vice president of marketing operations. I moved to federal way, Washington. Uh, and so I'm gonna not jump forward. Then I worked for different nonprofits, uh, my last job, I was the COO of Child Fund International in uh, Richmond, Virginia. So I get a call from a recruiter and they said, well, we have the, well, really a good job for you as CEO of MAP International. And I jokingly said, I said, MAP, who uses MAP? Everybody has GPS. <laughs> uh, MAP stands for Medical Assistance Program. And 
And uh, we think you would, your background will be really perfect for the CEO role. And I told him right away, I said, no, I'm not interested because I had told the CEO of Child Fund that I'll be there at least three to five years. And I wanted to keep my commitment. So I told her no, and I came home and I told my wife about it, Suki. And she said, oh, what did you tell them? And I said, uh, I told them no. And she said, you said they're a Christian organization, MAP? I said, yes. She said, uh, don't you think we should pray about it first? And I said, you're right. She's right 99% of the time, by the way. <laughs> uh, so I said, you're right. So we prayed That's about That's a virtue, it. by the way, if you didn't know that. Amen. <laughs> Your wife is always right. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'll be my 40th uh, anniversary next year. Is how I, I know. I mean, most of the time she's right, too. So, so we prayed about it. And then I looked at the 990 and I said, oh, well, we prayed some more because uh, it was a you know, smaller organization, uh, uh, much smaller cash-wise, and it was not financially that strong. And uh, um, I just said, you know, I, I'm not, I told my wife, I said, I don't think I'm qualified. She was, I think, no, you are. God has prepared you for the role. And I started thinking about it. Why did God allow me to get polio? And, you know, a 60% vial of a polio vaccine with multiple uh, dosages in there would have prevented me from getting polio. So I know God didn't cause it, but he allowed for me to get polio. And then I was adopted into American family and then went to some really good schools and worked for pharmaceutical companies and nonprofit. I traveled the world and I know how people live in very challenging environments. And so I realized God had prepared me for the role. So if you can prevent something from happening, it is so much easier. But if it, people get sick, you need medicines. And that's why I joined MAP uh, seven years ago now. And it's just a wonderful organization making a huge impact. Uh, with very little uh, uh, input because the medicine is donated. Somebody donates $10, that will provide $840 worth of medicine because the medicines are donated. So it's a huge impact in terms of, in terms of ROI and return on that. Well, thank you for sharing, Steve. And, uh, you know, this podcast is all about business and virtue. And obviously, you know, providing medicine globally for that many people, that's a ridiculously virtuous thing to do. So I feel like maybe the question of where does business and virtue intersect for you uh, seems like a silly one, but still, you know, like it's obviously like, yes, this is everything interwoven into everything that you do. But I'm just kind of curious as like when I ask that question about how virtue shows up for you, can you, can you speak to that? Sure. You know, I wasn't uh, planning on working for nonprofit. It was not my, uh, my career goal. And I was just like any other uh, newly minted MBA student from Kellogg or Harvard or Stanford. I just wanted to climb the corporate ladder, make the big bucks, get promoted, you know, drive the fancy car. And that was just the sort of the, what, you, what your goals were. And so for 18 years, that's what I did. I just started climbing the corporate ladder and worked really hard. Uh, made, number one was work. Family was, was second. And it was, I, I was doing that for 18 years. And, and finally, uh, God got hold of me and said, no, you, shouldn't, you should not be doing that. And, you know, nothing wrong with hard work. Nothing wrong with trying to uh, make the company uh, do well, make money. But that should not be your whole life. And so uh, now... My, what I, in terms of order is God first, family second, and work third. And then when you do that, then you all of a sudden, 
You say, well, what's the purpose of working? And it's not about making money. It's not about making, you know, getting fancy cars and all that, but it's about serving. And then how do you serve? And it's really about, if you look at how Jesus led, it's servant leadership. He came to the world not to be served, but to serve. And uh, it's, 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 a, it's a paradigm shift. So how do we start serving those in need? And then we do this work uh, in uh, uh, partners. We can't do it ourselves. And so we then automatically give the glory to God instead of ourselves. And we don't say, look what we've done. We just look what God has done through us. So it's such humbling. And it's so humbling that God chooses to use people like myself or from, from Korea uh, with really nothing. And he's using me uh, to help 20 million people with my team to provide medicines for people in need. So it's just so humbling. And so I think if you know, get to know what your purpose in life is and, what, and that align that with your personal passion, with the organization's passion, which is for MAC is to provide medicines for uh, people that are uh, needing the medicines. And if they, don't, if they don't get it, many will not make it. Many will pass uh, and, not, and not live a long life. So, uh, so it's really an ideal place now because I get to marry my uh, personal passion now, which is to serve uh, God through MAP and also use my professional background, marketing and finance and other business to leverage that. And because nonprofits, you have to run like a business. Otherwise, you can go bankrupt as well. So it's just, uh, it's just I get to do both now, to run a, help lead an organization with a team and to live up my life of uh, service to, uh, to humanity, but also why. When somebody asks me why I do it, I, I share with them. It's not, uh, it's not for the money. It's not for the, um, the accolades. It's really to share God's love with people. I was just talking to a friend about Jesus's message of forgiveness. And I know you <clears throat> high, high level uh, summarized your own uh, upbringing. How did you find it in your heart to forgive your father who had uh, abandoned you um, at the orphanage? You no, know, um, it was... Um, um, <laughs> hard because not until I had my own children, I realized how difficult it would have been to give up your own child because you love that child that much that you want to have a better life for that child. Mm -hmm. uh, and just like our father in heaven did the same, he said, I'm going to sacrifice uh, Jesus so that we can have a relationship with our creator. And once I realized, once I had my own children, would I have just given up my children so they could have a better life? So then I could really appreciate what my father did. Unfortunately, my father passed away before we could go back to Korea. I didn't meet my uh, biological mother, my biological uh, brother and two sisters. But I really thank my biological father for the courage that he had to say, you know, I want to give up uh, Myung Soo so that he may have a better life uh, because he cannot provide it. He tried his best and uh, must have been really, really heartful because 
Uh, you just don't give up. Uh, and I was a firstborn son, which is a, which is a big deal in uh, Korea and for him to do that. And he also took personal responsibility and accountability because he felt the reason I got polio was because of his doing. He went to a funeral of a friend whose child had passed away, but he didn't know that child passed away from polio. Oh, wow. So he brought the virus back to me and he didn't know that. And then I ended up getting polio, get, could not walk. And so he personally took uh, the blame for giving me polio. Mm -hmm. And so it must have been really, really hard. So one day when I get to heaven, I can embrace him and say, thank you for this unselfish act he did by giving me up so I can have a better life. And the reason I asked that question, Steve, is because especially in COVID, a lot of people got laid off and that could bring a lot of frustration, anger, hostility, where you feel like you've spent so much time devoted to an organization. Some people had worked like 45 days straight just to be furloughed later. And so just kind of, um, you know, thinking about, I mean, the way that you answer that is beautiful. Like, they can tell obviously that you you've you've been healed and, and have been able to really shift your mind state about that. But I mean, did you always think that way, or was there a period where there was some frustration that you had to walk through? And I'm just kind of curious as to how that journey went for you mentally. For being abandoned and being who I am, <clears throat> you know, um, I was angry at God because. Um, when I was abandoned, my, my dad, my father told me, I'm going to leave you at the footstep of the orphanage and cry and somebody will get you. And so I obeyed him and I, I cried. Sure enough, somebody got me. And then I would crawl back to where he dropped me out. I was five. So I'll crawl back and wait for him thinking he was going to get me, come get for me. And I did that every day for like a couple of weeks. And so at nighttime, I, I used to cry. I'm saying, did I do something wrong? You know, what did I do wrong? And then I start to talk to God because I didn't have anybody else to talk with. And so I would say, God, first I was angry at God. What did I do to you? First gave me polio and the second being abandoned. And then also when I started going to school, kids would pick on me all the time, physically and verbally. And because I, I, I was the only handicapped kid going to school and kids would constantly pick on me. And uh, so that's why when I came back to where the handicap kids were, I would line them all up and take out my freshman on them. So um, then that anger and hurt turned to God, help me. Help me to get a family. You know, help me to, uh, and I didn't even know what America was. I said, help me. And so when I started crying out to God for helping me, uh, God answered. You know, my parents adopted uh, uh six children now, uh, but back then it was in the 64, they adopted two kids from uh, California and they went to adopt two more kids from Korea through Holt. So they went to, flew there to pick up the other sibling and that related to me. And so as they were leaving, they were passing that candy to the kids that were left behind. And my sister, I have a biological sister, uh, her name's Mary Ellen now, uh, was, um, in the orphanage with me because they left her so that at least she and I could be together. So instead of taking the candy, eating it right there, like other kids, she took the candy and she ran off. And so they 
uh, my parents asked me, the orphanage workers, doesn't she like us? Why does she run off that way? And they told me, no, she has a handicapped brother and she's taking him candy first. And so I trained her really well, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, she was, they were so touched by her act of kindness at the age of five. It's, oh, we need to meet her brother. Because they've never seen a little girl, you know, run to give the candy to me first. So they went to the way to the back of the orphanage where the handicapped kids were kept. And then they saw me sitting on the floor and they said, oh, we need to adopt both of them. Had she not done that, we would not have been adopted. We would not be in the United States. And then, then they persevered because they had a law back then, immigration law, that they could only bring over two children from a, uh, another country. So then they worked two years writing letters to the congressman. And by then they moved from California to Alaska. And so, uh, and by the way, I have a book uh, uh, that I've written. Um, and so um, after two years, uh, when uh, a bill was passed, my, uh, we were a writer on a bill. Then we came over. So, so for two years, we were writing back and forth. But I remember my, my uh, parents, my adopted parents, my parents told me when they were leaving, you're going to be ours. Uh, God, you know, God's um, going to give you, us to you. I don't know, know what they're talking about. They said, uh, it will take some time, but you'll be our children. So I, I believed them. And so it took two years. And in the meantime, we would write back and forth to each other. Uh, in Korean, and they'll translate for me, and they would do in English. And so, you know, when I, once once you cry to God, God started answering prayers. So, and it just home home my life that way. And so I tried to trust the Lord. You know, but personally, I could not accept who I was because I, being disabled, having crutches, uh, and kid, and whole lot having kids make fun of you, I tried to deny that I had I was disabled. So, so I was purposely stay away from people with disability because I didn't want it to be reminded that I was disabled. I would tell, oh, I'm not disabled. You know, I could do everything. Uh, you know, I can't run, but I could do everything else. So I could not accept who I was. It wasn't until I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that's another story, that I could accept, if God accept me just the way I am, then I could accept myself. And after I did that, then I could accept the fact that I was disabled or I had to use crutches. So it's been a lifelong journey. And so every person has value. It doesn't matter if you're disabled or what, whatever you look like, God has, God can use you. And so that's why I wrote the book. It's called The Crutch of Success. It's on the website. And so I'm hoping that people will be encouraged that anything's possible if you have faith and you believe. And yeah, obviously you have to work, but God opens doors and, uh, you know, God allows certain things to happen in your life for a reason. And I believe people who have been impacted negatively, even some uh, horribly with that, losing their loved ones, that's really tough to reconcile. Uh, but, you know, people have lost jobs and whatnot. God would use that uh, uh, for good if they have faith and, and just wait upon the Lord. Well, that's uh, absolutely an incredible story. So thank you for sharing with us, Steve. And, and I know some people, you know, because as we talked before that this isn't necessarily just a Christian audience, 
you know, people come from all sorts of different faith walks. And, and I feel like sometimes when, when people see the finished product or, you know, at least closer towards the finished product that they could say like, well, that seems like, how can I ever get to that level of success? And so, so, but just, I guess, so I asked the question, what virtues are you presently working on to just show that we're always a perpetual work in, in progress and that, you know, we, we don't always have the, the answers, but we're, it's, it's a journey that we're on perpetually. Amen. And I, I think it's to believe and, and have faith uh, that we are created for, uh, in his image for a purpose, which is really to do good works. So everybody has a purpose in life. And so when you have that, then you know, okay, what, then you start asking God, what is my purpose? And once you know that, then you have passion to do that thing, do that thing really well. And then God opens doors. And, and before you know it, uh, you are, if you want to call it the world's success, uh, you're there. But it's really about just following uh, what God has created you for. And, and, and that's good works, to do good works. And we, when you help people um, and you're doing it because you just want to help them, not to get glory or to be thanked, uh, then it's really, uh, it, that in itself, of itself should be um, a goal, not just so you get noticed and why did you do this? But it's just to say, and then they will ask you, why are you doing this? Hmm. And you get the opportunity to say, because God loves you. You're important to God. Jesus loves you. And that's the, through works, uh, we don't do that for salvation, but through works, you're showing people that God loves you. And then with the ask, then you can share. Amen. So, and sorry, Steve, maybe I, I didn't clarify that question. I So the question is like, what virtues in particular are you still like, working to perfect as you journey to you know becoming jesus in this world okay uh, you know we as you said we're a work in progress and I, i've still got a long way to go believe me you know i i i, I virtue is um, i start each morning through prayer because i know if i don't do that i'm gonna do things my way and it's not good because i'm selfish and so the virtue is I need to trust God. And it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, we know in the Bible, Paul has a thorn on his side. And he asked God to remove it three times. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And so I'm constantly reminded when I'm using my crutches, I said, Lord, please don't, please don't make me fall. Or I know he's going to make me fall, but I'm always asking, Lord, help me here. Uh, so I'm constantly trusting and counting on uh, God instead of myself. So virtue is you you wake up in the morning and ask God. Uh, you know, for me, I do devotion with my wife every morning. At night, when you go to bed, the virtue will be to thank God uh, for what He has done for you that day. So the virtue is just trust God and not yourself, mm -hmm. and then uh, just to, and then to follow your passion for what God has created you for, and then at the end. Uh, whatever you end up, you know, uh, in most of the time, it's going to be um, job well done because if you follow what God has called you to do, he's going to help you. And so the world might, say, might not say that's been 
big success, but in God's eye, it isn't also the lives of people you've touched. That will be uh, meaningful. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing, Steve. How can people get a hold of you and the work that uh, you and MAP are doing to, to this wonderful work that you're doing globally? Uh, thank you, Chris. If you could go to www.mapmap.org, uh, and they can learn much more about uh, MAP there. And then also if you go down to the About Us and uh, just on, click on Steve uh, Sterling, there's a book, it's called The Crutch of Success. And it's my personal testimony about what God has done in my life. And then also talks about MAP and what MAP does and working with partners. So I invite people to do that and join us because literally for a cup of uh, Starbucks coffee, uh, you know, uh, or two cups at $10, that will provide $840 of life-saving medicine. And if I can uh, finish with the story, uh, Please. Uh, I, I actually met when I was traveling in Cambodia, I met a young woman and she had a prosthetic leg. And so, because we were with a group of uh, disabled people, I, I asked her, you know, what happened? I told her I had polio and that's why I have crutches and leg braces. And she said, when she was 12 years old, she was outside playing. She steps on a nail and the nail goes through her foot. Now it's very painful, but in the US, you would just go to the doctor, uh, get a tetanus shot and get uh, some antibiotics. And a week later, you're gonna be fine. But in Cambodia, her family could not afford to send her to the doctor. So they, her family used some herbal medicine and wrapped her foot with herbal medicine. To make a long story short, when she had to go to the doctor, gangrene had set in above her uh, knee. So they had to actually amputate her uh, leg above, the, above her kneecap. And because she didn't, because she got gangrene set in because of the infection. And she said they, she was so ashamed of not being a whole person that she would not come out of her hut, uh, a dirt floor hut for one year. Because in that society, they believe that you or your parent has sinned and God was punishing you oh. in, in previous life. And we know, we know better than that because in uh, John chapter nine, one, when the disciple asked Jesus, why was this man born blind? Did his sin or did his parents? And God answered, uh, Jesus answered, neither he or his parents sinned, but God allowed to happen so that the glory of God could be shown in this person's life. And so for, you know, antibiotics would have prevented that. Uh, hypertension medicine uh, would, uh, you know, people have high blood pressure. If you don't get the hypertension medicine, you're not gonna live that long. And that's what MAP is able to provide uh, through this donated medicine. So we invite people to join us and to help save lives around the world for a very uh, few dollars to, we can do that. Very good. Well, I love it. And yeah, what an inspiration that is. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing, Steve. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, just so honored and touched to be able to have an amazing leader like yourself to, to join us today on the Leading Virtuously podcast. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Absolutely. Well, take care. Yeah, God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? 
or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.